dive right into the message today. I feel like I've got a word for you. Uh, it was funny. The enemy really was, was trying to cause us to struggle the first service. And I, I really felt like the Lord said, because I'm going to set some people free today. Uh, and, and that's the kind of message today is. I, I'm really not going to try to preach. I want to just show you some things that the Lord has been speaking to me that I really believe that you're going to walk out and you're going you're to see things differently. See, the problem that I have found many times with Easter Sunday is it's awesome. We celebrate the resurrection. It's amazing. And for us who are believers, which... Uh, I, I understand hundreds of people come to our church uh, that are not believers, and I want you to know you're welcome. You don't have to believe to belong. God's not afraid of skepticism, doubts, or concerns, and so I'm glad that you're here, but for the, the, the majority of people that are here that are believers, we experience the resurrection, right? We're born again. We're saved. We put our trust in Jesus to save us, but yet we have doubts, like, I believe in God, but there are some things that I just, I don't understand. And what I have found is the older you get, the more skeptical you become. Your youthful idealism of, of God answering every prayer and doing everything the way you thought it would be is deteriorated by life's struggles, by life's challenges, by the hardships that we face as people. And then what we find is many times we become critical of God, we believe in God, we love God, we're Christians, but we really don't believe. Like there's some doubts, and I want this to be a place where it's safe to doubt. I want this to be a place where it's safe for us to have questions and concerns. And I would love to tell you that every question will be answered on this side of eternity, but it's just not the case. There are some questions we will never know the answer to until we cross into eternity. However, I believe there's some things we can learn that will help us as we live here on this earth. And that's where this series was really birthed out of the freedom to ask questions, the freedom to, yes, even doubt, the freedom to question, is God really going to do what he said he was going to do? And, and, and just all the doubts that could plague us in our life, this is a series that I believe is going to help us move forward. Because you can have those doubts, but how many know you shouldn't be stuck? Like, you, you just can't be stuck. And so I really believe today is going to help us get unstuck and to move forward. I'm not going to say I got all the answers but I'm going to help bring some clarity to what I believe God wants to do in our life. Now, we're going to dive into Mark chapter 9, verse 14. If I were to title the message, I would title it, When It's Hard to Believe. So the series is, I Believe in God, But. But today is, look, it's hard to believe. Like, it's just, I find it very hard to believe. And so we're going to talk about that. This is the story of Jesus healing the demon-possessed boy. He has been possessed since childhood, and his father brings the boy to the disciples to deliver uh, this boy to heal him, but the disciples can't do it. And ultimately, we know and read that Jesus is the one that heals him. Now, I'm going to pick up the story from the very beginning, and I want to pull out some truths that I think are going to help us today. Now, when we pick up the story in verse 14, Jesus, Peter, James, and John have been up on the mountaintop. It's the mountain of transfiguration. It's where Jesus uh, is transfigured in front of Peter, James, and John, which are his closest friends. Moses and Elijah have appeared, and uh, God has spoken. This is the third time God audibly confirms his son uh, to, to, to people. Uh, it's recorded in the scripture. And so that just happened, and we see Jesus descending down the mountain, 
And that's where we pick up now in verse 14. It says, when they came to the disciples, that's Jesus, Peter, James, and John. It says, they saw a large crowd around them, and the teachers of the law, they're arguing with them. So they're, they're arguing, just doing what religious people do, amen? They argue. I thought I'd get a better laugh than that. Maybe we got a lot of religious people in here. I don't know. <laughs> As all the people began to see Jesus... You know, people aren't concerned about religion. They want the answer. So they see Jesus, and uh, what they do is they run towards him. They're overwhelmed with wonder and go to greet him. Jesus performed miracles. He had the answer. He was speaking in parables. So now they see Jesus on the scene. They're going to go and talk to him. And Jesus just asks this question, listen, what are you arguing about? What's going on? Why, why is this commotion taking place? And then in verse 17, it says, a man in the crowd answered, Jesus, teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of his speech. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him into the ground. He foams at the mouth. He gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Everybody say, but. They couldn't. They couldn't do it. So here you have this man, and uh, he came to get his son healed. And he, the disciples couldn't heal this boy. They couldn't drive out the demon uh, that has been plaguing this little boy. And so the man begins to doubt God's ability. There are some things that start to take place. He's like, well, if they can't do it, I wonder if God can do it at all. And what we have to be careful of is don't let man's deficiency cause us to doubt God's sovereignty. That there will always be people that let you down. There's always going to be people that fail you. There's always going to be people when you go to them, you thought they had the answer, but the truth is they didn't. Listen, God is God. He is the Alpha and Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is the great I Am. Whatever you need, He is that. He is sovereign. He is God Almighty, and many times we get sidetracked and we allow doubt to consume our life because the people that represented God have failed us. I just want you to know, I'm going to fail you. There are moments when I might not say hi, I might say something rough, I might do something, and, and the reality is every one of us are going to fail people, but we've got to make sure that our eyes are not on people, but our eyes are on the source. So we've all had this. We've all faced disappointments. But we can't let that be the filter that we use when we view Almighty God. Can't lose hope. Can't allow that situation to, to cause us to lose the focus of who God truly is. And so the disciples tried to help him and they couldn't. And now what we see is Jesus turning to the disciples and he addresses them. Now here's something very interesting. He's not addressing the man with the doubts. He's not addressing the man that is struggling for this miracle. He is addressing his disciples, the ones that he has empowered to meet the man's need that was brought before them. Look at what he says. He says, you, the disciples, unbelieving generation. So it's not the man who is doubting. Listen, the world is doubting. The world is in need. The world is hurting. We're never, Jesus never reprimands those that are in need. It's the ones that he wants to use to meet the needs of the people. He's already empowered them. And so it's their unbelief that he is addressing here. It says, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long will I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. And so Jesus is frustrated in this conversation and Someone said, well, I, I don't understand. I mean, really, were they empowered 
to meet the need of this father and to deliver this boy from this demon. Yes, look in Matthew chapter 10, verse 7 and 8. Just a year earlier, what we see was they were sent out on a mission by Jesus with authority and power. So they had his authority, they had his power, and look at what he said. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Look, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those that have leprosy, and then look what he says, drive out demons. So they had already had the authority to do what needed to be done to bring healing to this boy and restoration to this man. And I want you to know, for me personally, as I studied the scripture, I believe what happened was this. Not that they didn't have the power and authority that was already given to them. I believe they lost focus. I believe what happened was they began to believe the hype. I mean, you know what I mean? When you begin to meet the needs of people and God's doing the miraculous and you're seeing the, the deaf ears open, the blind eyes open, and you're seeing people saved and delivered, what can begin to happen is people put you on a pedestal and you don't take yourself off of that pedestal. That's why as your pastor, I'm not going to tell you all the stories of my success. I want to tell you the stories of my failure. Why? Because I have a lot of them to share with you. And I want you to feel really good that I'm just like you. I struggle just like you. I know God's given me this, but this has only happened because of his authority and his power. Let us never lose focus. This is all about God. Right? So they begin to think, well, it's about me. And when you lose focus of God, you lose the ability to walk in his power and his authority that he has already given to you. And I think that's what's happened here with the disciples. So, so that's why Jesus is frustrated. He's like, this is, this is it. You should have already done this. And so what we see now is they bring the boy to Jesus. And when the spirit sees Jesus, it immediately throws the boy into a convulsion. He falls to the ground. He rolls around foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? And the man replies, from childhood. It's often thrown him into the fire or the water to kill him. Everybody say kill him. So the assignment of the evil spirit was to kill this boy. Now, if you'll take a step back, what we have to understand is that this boy represents this man's dreams. This boy represents this man's hopes. This boy represents this man's future. The seed of possibility is always in the offspring of our lives. And so the enemy, look, what we know is the devil doesn't want to just destroy you. He wants to destroy your legacy. That it's not just about you. And see, sometimes we get beat up by the, the devil and we just, whoa, is me. It's all about me. And, and we begin to focus on the fact that it's me. I need out of this pain. I need out of this situation. And what we're not real, realizing that it's bigger than just you, it's about your legacy. So here's, here's a case in point. The enemy is attacking your marriage. And men, I have heard about some stories about marriages being attacked and so the enemy is attacking your marriage, and what you feel like is, I'm a victim, man. She, she just mean. She's mean. <laughs> you know, she just, if you knew what she said, and he's just stubborn and cold, right? And you just, he just treats me like, yeah, I'm not going to say it here. I don't know. They said I cussed a couple of weeks, so I might, it might just come out. I don't know. <laughs> it was a holy cuss, I guess. <laughs> 
And so it's this, I, you, God help me with this marriage. And the enemy the whole time, he's trying to destroy your marriage. And he'll do anything he can to steal, kill, and to destroy. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy you. And what you've got to realize is, yeah, you can separate from that woman. You can leave her. You can leave that man. But the problem is you lay that destiny that God has given you to the enemy. Let me tell you a case. So, so this is what happens. You get a divorce. And that child that God destined for you to birth together is never born. That pastor that he was going to raise up out of your legacy, out of your heritage, will never be because you've allowed the enemy to destroy your legacy. That's the pastor God was going to use to bring revival across America. That lawyer that was going to fight injustice that has never been born. See, the enemy doesn't care that much about you and your spouse. What he's trying to do is steal the seed of destiny that God has planned for you in your life. And if you could just get past yourself, if you could just get past your pain, it's like, yeah, but you know what? It ain't fair. Yeah, that life ain't fair. And they may be mean as all the dickens get out, and he may be stubborn. But what about you? Can you change so that God can restore what the enemy wants to steal, kill, and to destroy? It's about your legacy. It's more than just you. It's more. The lawyers and the doctors and the president, I, I just, I see destiny. God sees destiny in our heritage, in our children. And I mean, your financial struggles and problems, it's not even about you. You were raised in poverty. You've got a poverty mentality. I'll never amount to anything. I'm broke, I'm broke, I'm broke. It don't matter. I just want to make it. God doesn't want you just to make it. God wants to break the spirit of poverty that has plagued your family and the generations past because he's got some millionaires that are being birthed inside of your family. It's about legacy. Yeah, you may be okay with poverty, but God's not. That's why you've got to operate in his principles. That's why we tithe God. We give you the first and the best. Why? We're breaking off the spirit of poverty. Because poverty focuses on what I don't have. I can't give it to you. I ain't got it. But, but the blessing focuses on what I do have. What I have, I give to you. It's, about, it's more than you. It's more than just your life. It's, it's more than your problems. It's more than your situation. And what we see is the enemy is trying to rob him of his legacy. And so then look in verse, the next verse, he just continues. But if you can do anything... He says, take pity on us, help us. It's not just the boy, help us, help us. And I don't know about you, I mean, many of us can relate to this, and we've often cried out to God, God, help me. God, help me be healed from the pain of the past, the bad decisions that I made, the wrong choices that I made. I'm still being plagued by the pain that has never been healed in my heart. Many of us are praying, God, help me just pay the bills. God, help me just put food on my table. God, just, just help me heal the marriage that has been broken from our bad choices. God, heal my body. Some of it's bad choices we've made, have, you know, cholesterol and different things. Some of it's not. Regardless, we're asking God, God, heal us from the sickness that plagues our lives. God, save my family. God, save Every person that I know and love. And some of us are praying, God, help me through my loneliness. I feel isolated. It's amazing how connected we are with all these smartphones and, and devices and how lonely and desperate we are. God, would you help me? If you can. God, if you can, would you, 
Would you help me, God? If you can, would you give me something to hold on to? And look at what Jesus, he says, if you can. I mean, can you imagine Jesus? He like, do you know I am the great I, me, if, if I can, I'm the answer. Like, and then look at what he says. He says, everything, everybody say everything, everything. is possible. Everything is possible. Everything is possible. Some of you have been saying it's not possible. Everything is My marriage is impossible. Everything is possible. My kid being saved is not possible. For the one who believes. For the one who believes. And immediately, immediately the boy exclaims, I believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. This is where the whole series started. Like, like God, I appreciate that you put this in the Bible because I got doubts, I got fears, I got challenges, I got struggles, and this gives me hope that, look, God gives me the ability to overcome those struggles in my life. And I love the fact that this man was honest. I think sometimes we put on our mask, right? Come to church, put on your holy smile, and, you know, you just, eh, it's good, it's good. You just fought like the dickens. You're about to beat your kid, and you say, <laughs> your, your kid's like, my parents are crazy, just crazy. <laughs> and we put on our smile, and how's everything? You ever said, oh, it's fine. Praise God. It's awesome. And you're like, it ain't awesome. Now, I think sometimes you got to fake it till you make it. But my, my, my thing that I love about this is he's honest and for, before God. He's transparent. He, he doesn't try to cover. How many know God already knows your issues? And so here he's open. He says, look, God, I, I, man, I believe, but help the unbelief. And what I would say is what you need for your miracle is already inside of you. What he needed to see his boy delivered was already inside of him. And so we know that as people, some of you, you're struggling with anxiety. Your panic attacks, fear has gripped you. What we say many times is, God, I need you just help me not be anxious. God, remove the fear. And Lord, won't you help me? Here is the paradigm shift that I believe if you'll get, it will shift everything in your life. This is the shift. That man didn't bring his issue to Jesus in this moment. What he brought was the seed for the miracle that was at hand. He said, I believe. Help my unbelief. How many people say, God, help my fear, help my anxiety? What we've got to understand is it's not about the fear and the anxiety. You have courage on the inside. And the shift is this. God, I have courage. I am courageous. Help me overcome my fear. You see the difference? It's, God, what's already on the inside of me? God, what's already the seed for the miracle that you have placed on the inside? Some of you struggle with depression. It's, God, help me not be depressed. God, help me not be depressed. Well, the root of depression is hopelessness. That's the root. So you got to say, no, God, I'm not walking in hopelessness because the, the opposite of that is hope. You have given me hope. God, I have hope. Help my hopelessness. God, I have the very seed to the miracle that I need on the inside of you. Some of you are struggling with hate. I hate them. God, just help me not hate them so much. Help me. Right? I mean, and so we focus on, on what we have been focusing on. And, and the truth is the root of hate is unforgiveness. So God, I have forgiveness. Help me overcome unforgiveness. 
See, the problem is many of you have been defined by your issues. You've allowed your issues to become your identity. And you bring your issue to God and you let that become your identity instead of the seed of divinity that God has placed on the inside. See, when you were born again, you have all of God already on the inside, which means everything I need for life and godliness is already on the inside. Somebody say, I don't believe it. Look, let me show you. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, look at this. His divine power has given us some of the things. Everybody say that out loud. Everything that we need for life and godliness. And then it goes on, it says, through the full knowledge of the one. He's the one that gave it to us, who called us by his son and his own glory and excellence. So this is what I know. Everything I need for life and godliness is already on the inside of you. Whatever you're struggling with, you can say, God, look, I, I'm struggling with fear. God, I'm struggling with addiction. Some of you, you've got your addiction. You've allowed your addiction to become your identity. And instead of focusing on that, what we've got to do is say, look, the reason I'm addicted is because I don't have self-control. God, I thank you. I have self-control. I'm asking you to break that addiction. Because some people walk in a bar, they don't, they're not tempted to drink, right? Somebody be around people smoking, they ain't tempted to smoke. It's, it's not the issue that should cause you to have that identity. It should be the freedom of God, the grace of God. God, I declare I have self-control to walk in any situation and I've got victory. Why? Because the divinity of God, the divine power of God is already on the inside of you. It's already there. It's already there. I love what Matthew chapter 17 verse 20 says. Look at what it says. So some of you say, well, I don't know if it's enough. I don't know if it's enough. Look, it says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it'll be done. Nothing will be impossible for you. Again, we go back to what Jesus, nothing is impossible to the one who believes. The faith, faith, the size of a mustard seed, just a little bit of faith is all that it takes. A little bit of the seed for the miracle that you need is all that it takes. Here's the picture of a mustard seed. I want you to see it. Look how small that is. I mean, that's, that's the tip of someone's thumb. He's saying, look at that seed. That's all you got to do. All you got to do is identify the seed. Like, like, God, you already placed that seed on the inside of me. Look at what it produces. This is a mustard tree. Look at that. That little seed produces that huge tree. The little seed for your miracle on the inside of you will produce the harvest of the life God wants you to live. It may not feel like much. It may not seem like much. People may laugh at it. People may scoff at it. But the truth is you have everything you need for your miracle on the inside of you. And what's going to try to rob it is doubt. What's going to try to rob it is unbelief. But we've got to know doubt is the thief of the divine. His divine power. It's on the inside of us. And so that doubt would cause us to not believe God could do it. We begin to focus on the doubt and not the solution. We begin to focus on the doubt and not the seed. We begin to focus on the doubt and not what God has already deposited on the inside of each and every one of us. He's already deposited. If you're a believer, if you're a Christian, it's already there. Whatever you need is already on the inside of you. And, and what I have found is this. What we see is that that seed is laying dormant. It's there, but we've been fo so focused on the problem, we've never acknowledged the seed for the miracle. 
And so it's just laying dormant. It's, it's, it's not being utilized. It's not being uh, nurtured. It's not being focused on and allowed to grow in our life. But there's good news. What's dormant comes alive in the right atmosphere. Comes alive in the right atmosphere. I mean, you put a seed in your hand, it's not going to do anything. I mean, you put a seed there all day long. It's not until it gets into the soil that that seed begins to grow. The seed that you have in your life is the seed of divinity. It's God's power. The only place that seed grows is in God's presence. If you'll notice when he responds, that response comes in the presence of Jesus. God, I believe. Help my unbelief. That's why it's so important for us to go to church. We can't just be, you know, Easter and Christmas Christians can't just come once a month, which is the national average. You got to come each and every week. Why? Because God's changing your outlook. God's changing your perspective. It's amazing to me how those of you that come each and every week, you know, God just speaks to you in a powerful way. The seed that God placed on the inside of you gets activated by His Word. You're like, I didn't notice that. God, you. Oh, I got what I need. What, you may be here needing hope, and you walk in, and the seed of hope's on the inside. It's been inside the all week, but you walk into God's presence, and hope comes alive. Love, you, you, you felt you know, just rejected, and, and you, you, you walk into the service, and people have rejected you and talked bad about you. They're talking about you on social media. Join the club. And, and at the end of the day, you walk in, and the seed of love, unconditional love, is awakened on the inside of you. So what happens now is you've got the power of God to live out this life. Why? It's awakened in the right atmosphere. Same thing with prayer. Look, prayer is not something you can delegate. It's not something I can do for you. You have to spend time with God. Why? Because he'll awaken the seeds for your miracle that he already placed on the inside in his presence. And let me just be honest with you. Can I just be honest? I mean, I have a habit of this, so... Prayer is not always just the, whoa, that heaven has opened, the rays of sunshine glistening on my face, and God, I hear you. That I'm wa- <laughs> Sometimes prayer is hard. Sometimes, if I could just be honest, I'm like, God, did you just hear me? Because I'm bearing my soul, and I don't feel like you even heard a word. Sometimes I fall asleep. Sometimes I get distracted. But what I've realized is I've never left his presence. That it's his presence that activates the seed for my miracle. And I'm not going to be robbed of being in his presence because I don't feel him. He is always there. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And so I said, God, and, and there are moments, see, I know he's always there and walking around, but there are divine moments where it's like, I'm getting in your presence. I ain't leaving. I'm here. Activate something. You know, worship does that as well. That's why I always encourage you, don't be late. No, don't, don't be saying, okay, wait, we, they're only on the third song. Because they usually sing four, sometimes three in a bridge. Vanessa will go off a little bit, and it's amazing. So I, I, I'm good. I caught the message. What you missed was the worship activates the miracle. Like, like I get it. I, I'm hoping the message, I hope it does. But there's something about the worship I've been in the presence of God in worship and walked out a different person. I, six years ago, I lost my sister, and it was 
it was tragic. I, you, she was sick. She had lupus, but we didn't really expect her to die. We, we didn't know she was as sick as she was. And she had moved off to Las Vegas, and she was with her husband. And it was crazy how when you're sick, sometimes you isolate yourself. And hey, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Talking to you. You don't sound so good. No, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. No, you don't sound so good. And just a couple weeks later, she passed away. And I'll never forget, with the passing of any loved, loved one, you, you know how it is. And Now, the challenge with my sister was I love her so much. And she always looked to me as just someone to help her in her time of struggle, me and Steve. And she asked me for some advice. And I think I gave her the wrong advice. You ever felt that? But here's the deal. We were, we were going to fix it. We were going to move her back home. And we talked about, hey, two months from now, we're going to move you home. Like, just, just give us a couple months. We've got a place. We're going to move you back. Just need you to get healthy. Listen, sometimes you just got to be around people that love you. Get out of all the junk and the issues. And he was abusive. And so we're going to move her back. And before we could move her back, We lost her. So here I am. We're planning the funeral. So it was a celebration of life full of guilt. Didn't tell. We didn't tell anybody. But I remember the conversation. And I'm thinking, why did I tell her to do that? And just kicking myself. And Steve helped plan the service and my parents. And thank God in the middle of the service, we planned a couple of worship songs. Someone said, hey, do you want to speak? I'm like, no, I just want to grieve. We knew Tina would like a few songs of worship. I felt guilt, a little bit of shame. I felt a lot of unforgiveness, not towards her, towards me. Like I just couldn't forgive myself. My kids will never meet her. She'll know Addison or Raylan. We used to call her Aunt Butter. She was smooth like butter. Aunt Butter. And I remember just, you're kind of numb if you've lost someone. But in the middle of the worship song, I, I couldn't have told you what happened then, but I can tell you now, reflecting on this message, I know what happened. The seed for the miracle of forgiveness was released in the atmosphere of worship. That in that moment of loss, we began to worship, and I don't, I don't remember what song it was. All I remember was I began to weep like a baby, and I stood up, and I lifted my hands, and unforgiveness left. Shame and guilt left. What would have probably destroyed my life had I not seen God 
do what he did was released in that moment of worship. Never underestimate the power of worship. The right atmosphere. You're walking through hell. Just put on some worship. You feel rejected. Put on worship. And from this day, even today, we celebrate, Tina. I often think, Tina, you'd be proud of me. She was our biggest cheerleader. But the enemy wants to destroy us with the sickness in our hearts. You carry unforgiveness your whole life, it'll affect everything you do. It's in the right atmosphere. That in the right atmosphere, that seed for the miracle comes alive. It's activated. It's activated. Yeah, I was thinking even Alexis Alamia, she's not here, she's in Alabama. Just a seed that's activated. She was 15 years old just a couple of years ago when she came to the church. And I never forget meeting this young girl full of life. She always brought people with her. Kevin and how the Falcons got here and all Rihanna and all these people and it's she just but she was hungry for something more and she came she's 15 years old she began to watch Phyllis and I's kids we just loved on her and she's like pastor you know I just I need purpose I need something we sent her into next steps it's amazing she goes into next steps which is the class we have there's four weeks give me four weeks and I promise you it's the right atmosphere to unlock the miracle so we sent her into next step. She's like, okay, I'll do it. She goes in, all bubbly, full of life, just party, 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 party. She goes, she takes the test, spiritual gifts, sort of personality. She's like, yeah, this is me. I'm an S. And she kind of figured it all out. But spiritual gifts, it said worship. Alexis, I'll never forget, she kind of laughed. She said, yeah, it was worship, but you know, I've never sang in my life. I've never, I mean, I'm, I don't know what that is. And so we said, hey, look, if, you, if it's worship, go to Infuse, which is our worship practicum, and go, just go figure it out. And all of a sudden, is that Daniel and April right there? All of a sudden, what happens, this girl goes into Infuse. She begins to worship God just because something is unlocked. The seed of destiny in the right atmosphere was unlocked. She's worshiping God. She's in Alabama right now at the worship practicum learning how to lead thousands of people in worship. And every time she's back, we're like, you better get up on that stage, girl. Release that seed. Release the seed. It's the right atmosphere. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, the seed of greatness is on the inside. But you got to get in the right atmosphere. The seed for your miracles on the inside. you got to get in the right atmosphere. Some of you think, well, I don't feel it. Well, where you been? Who you hanging out with? It ain't about hanging out in the world. It's not other people. It's Jesus. Where do you want me? Where, where is your presence? Sometimes that's with people. Sometimes that's by ourselves. God, I'm going to be in the right atmosphere. I'm in the right atmosphere. And the thing I love is that Jesus wasn't afraid of his doubt. He didn't rebuke him and say, I can't believe. You believe. You got to get rid of the doubt. got to get rid of the doubt. It's just not going to work. I know. He said, that's all right. <laughs> I can help you overcome that. And then look at what happens in the story in verse 25. It says, when Jesus saw that the crowd was running the scene, rebuke the impure spirit, you deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter into him again. And I'm convinced when God sets you free, there's no devil in hell that can come back and torment you. They don't have the power. 
Oh, they can try, but they don't have the power. The only way they have power is if you give it back to them. He said, no, you never come back. Don't ever come back. The spirit shrieked, convulsed violently, and then he came out. All Jesus needs is for us to acknowledge the seed that's already there. I don't know what you're walking through. Maybe it is rejection. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's anxiety. Maybe it's hopelessness, depression. Even here, you might be here right now ready to commit suicide because you've lost all hope. He is your hope. The hope you need is already on the inside of you. You're in the right atmosphere. You got to just, okay. Why? Because he's trying to steal your legacy. He's trying to kill off what God has already produced and planned for you to touch the world. It's bigger than just you. You got to fight. You got to fight. You got to fight. You got to fight. When I get tired, I just go back. Legacy. The thousands of people that hadn't been reached yet. The generations of Kyles that will change this world. They hadn't even been born yet. My kids, they're going to produce grandbabies. Praise God if you got grandbabies. They are the gift from heaven. Come on, grandparents. I thought I'd get a better amen. Ain't that right? You're like, praise God. You were good, son, but they are way better. <laughs> You're fighting for your legacy. So I you doubt it's all right that there's a little bit of unbelief. Don't let it rob you of what God is doing on the inside. I wonder if I could just pray for us this morning. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. God, I thank you for just, can we just be real, God? Can we just have a moment? In fact, why don't you just tell him what you're struggling with? Tell him in this moment, God, I'm struggling in this area. He already knows it. What you got to do is don't let your issue become your identity. Let the seed be your identity. Now, I am courageous. I am faith-filled. I have hope. I, I walk in forgiveness. I, I am loved. Let that be the thing that identifies who you are. God, I just pray. you Speak to your people, God. Lord, I, I, I know people are struggling in their marriage. God, let them see it's greater than just their marriage. There are people that are struggling emotionally and they think it's all just, God, help them to see what you see. Let us examine ourselves through your eyes, not the eyes of pain and hurt and regret. But God, you have created champions inside of us. And Lord, I'm asking you to bring it to pass. God, I'm asking you, even over the next couple of weeks in this series, God, we're going to ask some questions. We're going we're gonna to answer them as best we can. But God, I also know that there are some things we're never going to be able to answer on this side of eternity. I, I don't know why good people get cancer and die. I don't know why good people die suddenly. God, I don't know why we struggle in sickness. and God, I, 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 don't know, I don't have all the answers, but I do know this. I refuse to focus on the problem. And I'm asking you that in your presence, speak to us. Help us. Give us the ability to live this life full of your power, full of your grace, full of your strength, full of your wisdom. Now keep your head bowed, your eyes closed. There are some of you here this morning, and you know I'm talking about the atmosphere and the presence of God, and the truth is, maybe this is the first time you've ever felt that. Maybe you only feel it when you come to church because you don't have a relationship with God. You've never confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Yeah, you may know about him, but you don't really know him. I like to say it like this, you've never surrendered everything to him. 
See, God's not just going to be on your list. He's got to be at the top of your list. He doesn't take second place. And right now, in this moment, you're ready to surrender everything. You're ready to say, I give you everything. You're not going to be on my list. You are my list. What I want to do is I just want to lead you in a prayer. I want to lead you in a moment that God would touch your heart. And this could be that defining moment for you. And if you're in this place, I'm not going to ask you to stand up or come down, what I am going to ask you to do is just as a sign of surrender, would you just raise your hand? You say, Pastor, that's me right now. I surrender everything to him. Heads bowed, eyes closed, just in this moment, full of courage, just say, that's me. Just raise your hand. That's me. That's me. Pastor, that's me. See your hands. That's me, God. I surrender right now. I'm giving you everything. I give you all that I am. That In this moment, I surrender my life to you. You can put your hands down. Church, would you tell them how proud you are? This is what I want to do. I just want to lead us in a prayer. And let's pray this together. Jesus, I need you. Save me. Forgive me. Cleanse me of my past. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Fill me with your spirit. Right now. I give you everything. I give you all of my hopes. I give you all of my dreams. I give you my life. I surrender it to you right now. In Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. Come on, worship God this morning.